I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch Reup. My name is Chris Ryan and I am an editor at TheRinger.com and on the other line, fate fell short this time. It's Andy Greenwald! My man, can it be a reup if we didn't up at all this week? I upped with House. Oh, you got way up with House. I just gotta say, <laughs> people should listen to this podcast you did because you you got up, you got elevation, but you did it by going deep. Yeah. If, if I yeah. can mix that metaphor, you guys. Deeper than inside, look. as Rites of Spring would say. Me and House did a DC punk rock love poem, love letter to DC punk rock. And if you were into Fugazi or Minor Thread or any of the great bands from DC, you should check it out. Joe House, man, what a renaissance man. Who knew? I mean, I knew that he loved uh, basketball, the game of kings, and he was on <laughs> his way to developing gout, the disease of kings, due to his voracious appetite. <laughs> the, but the, the, I didn't the, know the he Baratheon was all about Revolution special. Summer. Yeah, you know, I didn't know he was. I didn't know he knew about that. Yeah, man, um, that's exciting. That's exciting. And so, just just before we we're going to talk music today, so I feel like it's okay to ask you this question. And TV, how do you fe- how did you feel about going all the way out there near punk bona fides for a different city? You know, I mean, you are you are legit. You know the stuff. I just feel like that's you took a step out there. I I've, I would have been nervous doing that. You mean talking about like the 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 musical tradition of washington dc and its surroundings yeah suburbs. i mean you you know a lot about it and it's just a quick jaunt in the quiet car on the uh on the <laughs> North, northeast regional it's not like we grew up far away from it but that's but, the cool know, they, thing about dc though it's an idea as much as it is a place or a scene you know it, it was not, not to get too too thought to, like mind-blowing but like that that whole thing about diy culture and putting out your own records and doing things for a very specific reason is is what it's all about that's that's beautiful and it's interesting because we are going to talk about a very 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 different punk rock tradition that developed a sure. continent away yes because uh, we're going to talk about blink 182 we we warned people on twitter we were serious we did there was and there was some good response so i'm excited to talk about blink andy but before we get to blink who've got a new record coming out or out called california do you want to talk out. a little bit about i wanted to i wanted to make sure our watch our viewers our listeners our listeners of The Watch were watching Night Of, which premieres this yes. weekend. Yes, the, 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 the first episode has been available. That's why we talked a little bit about it a week or two ago, um, because it's been available for uh, HBO Go and HBO Now subscribers. Uh, I love HBO like Go every, and HBO Now subscribers. Because <laughs> they have access to all 10 episodes of After the Thrones. They, they sure don't, do. unfortunately, have access to all 10 episodes or nine episodes of The Morning After, which is our proposed after show for the <laughs> night of, but we're working on it. Um, but as we get closer to it premiering, you, 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 you know what, I'm going to clear the floor here. You want to you wanna take it? Um, this is just, it's the best thing I think that's been on television in a while. And it's, 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 look, it's not that complicated. It's like more or less an American version of one of those incredibly well-crafted British procedurals like Broadchurch that just takes painstaking detail. It looks at, with painstaking detail at every step of a crime and justice situation. Um, I think the difference here is the talent involved making it. And it's Richard Price. And Richard Price is one of my favorite authors. He wrote Clockers. He wrote Freedomland, Samaritan. The Whites, Lush Life. If anybody is looking for a book to read, read Lush Life. It is going to mess you up. And he wrote, I believe, all the screenplays, all the teleplays for the show, along with Steve Zalian, who co-wrote, I think, a few. And Steve Zalian also directed a bunch of the episodes. 
as did James Marsh, who did some incredible work on the Red Riding miniseries. Um, mm-hmm. And it follows the story of this Pakistani-American kid named Naz, who is accused of a crime that he believes he didn't commit. And John Turturro plays a sort of down-and-out Dr. Zismore-level uh, <laughs> defense attorney who comes Which, to his by aid. by the way... You- you know Dr. Zismore reference is accurate because they've put those ads for his character, John Stone, yeah, they put on every subway. Viral marketing. And um, some really, really incredible performances by Michael K. Williams uh, as someone that Nas meets in prison at Rikers and by Bill Camp as the lead detective on the case. And you, you may have seen Bill Camp in Midnight Special and in, so, he's a big stage actor. Wh- how many have you watched at this point? Because I know you're ahead of me. You're ahead of the general public. You've, you've watched, gone a little bit deeper. I've watched five. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, and um, it has not disappointed. No. I, I'm, it's riveting. It's so good. Here's, here's, what, here's what I wanted to say about this, which is, you know, we, we teased that we were going we to have to hand out this, this summer 2016 TV championship belt at some point soon. And I think we both felt that Mr. Robot will probably be right there to snatch it. And, you know, I, I've seen the first episode of the new season. I think it's terrific. But I think we really want to get people hyped to watch Night Of because it's a real, it's a real contender. I think yeah. that the reviews that have come out have been raves um, uniformly across the board. And I think one thing that they've all picked up on that I think was very smart is that the, ref- the, the reference that might get more people to watch it isn't necessarily um, crime shows that you and I love, but maybe haven't gotten huge ratings, or at least in this country. It's things like Serial and Making a Murderer. Yeah, um, yeah. Be, be, just in terms of the addictiveness and just the, the, the total psychological anguish. I mean, you said painstaking, which is true, but I thought you were about to say pain giving because I found the first episode so hard to watch, but I couldn't stop watching it. And I um, agree. I agree with what you're saying. And, and part of what Serial and Making a Murder, I think the connection it made with people was the fact that it humanized almost every single person, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, right. in the process of those cases. Um but I don't want to take away from the sort of artful storytelling that's happening here. I mean, this is shot, the first few episodes were shot by Robert Ellswit, who's um, a longtime collaborator with Paul Thomas Anderson. And they are mm. sumptuous. Like, they are so gorgeous to watch and so incredibly inventive and disconcerting the way that they, they put you on edge in the weirdest little ways. And the writing is just of the highest caliber, man. I don't really know what to say. Price is just the guy. He's, he's the king. I, I, I'm glad you, you, you countered me with that because I think it's worth noting that I, I was saying those things, serial making murder, because I just want... Yeah, I to, want people... If, yeah. if, if, that, if, if that ticks your boxes, then you should check it out. But I, I definitely am a bigger fan of, of, of fiction in general, um, yeah. fictional storytelling. And especially in a week like this one, I'm a bigger fan of fiction. But um, yeah, I, I think that the, the, the potential upside, and, and, and again... The championship belt thing is 1,000, 1 million percent arbitrary. It's a thing that we made up. But I feel like we both are in agreement that it, the show that has the belt has to have some kind of conversation-driving element. It can't sure. just be something that you and I love. And I, I think that the night of... I didn't think this when we first talked about it, but I'm, I'm thinking that it could serve that purpose just on the depth of the storytelling, the performances, and the subject matter if enough people get, riled, get fired up about it. So yeah. we're making a pitch to, to even the playing field... Watch it this week. Watch it this weekend, and we will talk about it in more more in depth on Monday. Well, you know what was cool is when we were first talking about this belt thing. I think that we had sort of imagined it 
being on during the gold like we had imagined if we had had a podcast during peak golden age tv where there's just yeah upwards of eight hours of television really top-notch television per week to watch or even 10 really great shows per year to watch and that at any given month or in any given week or in any given night the belt could change hands based on an episode to episode thing yeah. Or basically, oh, there was such a great episode of Mr. Robot, which took the belt from the night of, which had taken the belt from Preacher in the course of 48 hours. And that is what we're looking at, because I got to say, man, Preacher keeps getting better. I, I just I was just yeah. watching the most recent one, the Sundown episode, Sundowner episode. It was lit, man. They really are like hitting their stride. I feel like they're explaining things a little bit better. Um, the Did you watch the, this last one? I, I have not watched it yet. You've caught yeah, me out there's here. Yeah, there is a... No, no, but there's a set piece in this one that rivals the chainsaw fight from earlier in the season. Uh, and the, a couple of the characters really have great moments in this episode. So I encourage people, if, they, if it, they're struggling with Preacher, to stick with it. It'll be interesting to see, not just in terms of our arbitrary handing out of fictional hardware, but just in general in terms of the way people watch shows and what, how they respond to this conversation that we're having, if a show like Preacher could ever actually hold the belt, because, you know, things like Night Of and, and Mr. Robot and um, the, the FX OJ miniseries, they're so propulsive. They are about an event or a series of events, you know, and, and, there's, and so that drives people onto the next episode. And the thing about Preacher is that it is really just, it's a hang. You know what I mean? Like, I, I noticed some of the, I, I kind of predicted this would, would, would filter in because it's almost inevitable. It happens to, to most shows, especially early in their run. But even people who were pretty into the first two or three, you start to get the, okay, but where is it going? Are they dragging their heels? Do they even know? And you start to yeah, doubt yeah, the yeah. person driving the bus. But as we said when we did the Preacher Pod the other week, like, honestly, I don't really care at this point. I know that sounds a little facile, and maybe if I was writing a review, I would find a way to phrase that better. But it's a good hang. Like yeah, I, no, I'm it's... pretty into them doing peyote and doing donuts in a school bus in the middle of the, <laughs> yeah. the desert. And, That's well and said. Just That's well said. The, the last the last point I wanted to make since we since we did that preacher pod and you know you made a you made the point of talking about how Michael Slovis, who was the DP on Breaking Bad and was responsible for so many of the visuals and is working on is working on preacher and and Sam Catlin uh, worked on Breaking Bad and is obviously he's show running preacher. I didn't realize preacher shot in Albuquerque, so they must be using a lot of the same crew. Um, that's which oh, that's is, interesting which is pretty smart um so albuquerque is a, to amc as uh atlanta yes. is to marvel yeah that's exactly right it's just like where you go for it for a, a quality cable hang um i thought you were going to say is like you know as, as the bayou is to to hbo dramas but you know again that's just me doing a little inside reference to the fact that you and i both pitched to do after the thrones episode five from a uh bon me place somewhere in the bayou and, and you, for some reason we couldn't get the budget for it they did um, they, they did say we could go to carcosa but we were like you know what man it's okay yeah but i didn't you think that was code for we're getting canceled i just assumed that yeah. when they send things to carcosa that just like it's a kind of invitation you don't want to accept yeah um yeah it, it, it it's i don't know it's an interesting time it's an interesting yeah. time one, one last tv thing before we move on to blink sure um just on a, it, I just this just occurred to me. But did you did you notice this? Someone had a, a observed this well um, that you know so many of the shows that were greenlit for networks this fall, like last year, are derived from our favorite term from pre existing IP. You know, we got the Lethal mm-hmm. Weapon show, we got the Training Day show, 
we got we got the show from your boy Dennis Quaid's movie Frequency. Um, <laughs> That's my people point. are really tripling, quadrupling, quintupling down on this. And the this week, um, ABC's Mike Epps led Uncle Buck sitcom got canceled meaning that every single damn that's a cold world really yes which by the way the ratings for it were really good uh tate's nodding the ratings for everything tate's like, tate's like i don't know if tate's nodding because it's a cold world or because he's just <laughs> on like epps.net right Yo, now tell me tell me right now the reddit tate's slash favorite Epps. show favorite show was abc's uncle buck because if so tate what's your favorite show right wasn't now? running tate's recaps of not uncle not buck uncle is buck. A, not uncle fine. buck is tate's favorite show just FYI. Not Uncle Buck? Like yeah. any show but Uncle Buck is his favorite show? Yeah, pretty much. He's, he's, it seems like it. <laughs> he he uh, casts a wide net. The, the point yeah, being, you know, with, with, with that show going down, every single movie-based show from last year has now been canceled. And, you know, that I'm trying to think of all the duds along the way. Um, uh, there was, uh, what, what was the one with Bradley Cooper's brain? Me smart? Limitless? Limitless, dog. Um, that got canceled, uh, Minority Report, and it's just like, it's it's one thing to be chasing what you think is gold, but like, that, that's pyrite, dog. They're taking, uh, and, and they're taking dog, L's I mean on every the, studio head. And t- they're taking L's on the big screen, too. Independence Day, Ninja Turtles, you know? Yeah, it doesn't sound like anybody, fresh. it sounds like Ghostbusters is not tracking well. Yeah. Give us that fresh, give us that fresh ip. Can we start saying that? The fresh is ip. Is that cool? Let's get it started. Uh, Let's take a quick break from our sponsors before we get on to Blink-182. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. I personally have been, like, rocking SeatGeek. I was trying to go to FYF Festival. I'm looking for Dodgers and Phillies tickets. And SeatGeek has been right there for me every step of the way. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for you if you're a sports or a music fan. With SeatGeek, you'll never need to waste time checking prices on other ticket sites. SeatGeek does that for you by pulling in all the tickets available on other sites and puts them in one place. Place so you save time and you never miss a deal. Personally, I just I don't have the time to look at every other spot to see what I'm trying to get here. I just need the one place that's like the clearinghouse that aggregates everything. It's perfect. SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value, and you'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, watch listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code, and then Enter promo code WATCH. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code WATCH today. Also want to talk to you about MeUndies. Whether you're wearing a suit or sweats, you spend almost 24 hours a day in underwear. But instead of making a statement like Superman's tights under his everyday clothes, your underwear is probably boring. Well, MeUndies is here to change that. Every pair of MeUndies is made from sustainably sourced modal, a fabric that's twice as soft as cotton. Nothing can describe the fit and feel of MeUndies, but once you try them on, you'll understand why they're called the world's most comfortable comfortable underwear. And if you don't love your first pair of MeUndies, they're free, no questions asked. MeUndies has dozens of styles and limited edition prints to help you make a statement with your underwear, whether anyone can see them or not. Remember, Superman. Shipping is free in US and Canada, and you can save up to $8 with the MeUndies subscription plan. Get the subscription or a single pair, and you can get 20% off your first order when you go to MeUndies.com watch. That's MeUndies.com watch. 
watch for 20% off your first order. Again, that's MeUndies.com, W-A-T-C-H. Yeah, what's up? All right, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Blink-182. Yeah, I'm hyped to do this. I felt like you were a little slow, and then you got hyper than me. You got hyper (laughs) than Tate talking about Uncle Buck on ABC. I got hyper than Tate's 15 aliases on on Reddit slash Epps. Um, (laughs) Listen, listen. Um, I want to make a couple of statements here. Yeah, you're coming Uh, in hot on this one. We 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 both kind of so Rob Harvilla wrote a piece on the Ringer that's excellent about the new Blink record and about Blink in general. The new album's called California. You should go check out Rob's piece. And then there was some Twitter talk yesterday. Like Donsky jumped on and he was like, "Here are my top five Blink songs." And I went in there and I was like, "Here are my top five Blink songs." Which, yes. it's it's all open for debate, man. That's what it's all about on Twitter. But the interesting thing is everybody who's like Carousel and damn it and josie and all these songs on cheshire cat and dude ranch and early blink songs and i, I just want to let you guys know something i yeah. don't Speak give from a the shit heart now. Speak your truth. i don't give a shit about dude ranch and cheshire cat i don't yeah. care because i am a 38 year old man and i wasn't really <laughs> rocking with blink like that back then blink got real when blink went pop okay when blink sold the f out and i don't really even like enema that much i mean there are some good songs on there but real blink to me is take off your pants and jacket the self-titled shit and the masterwork it's say it. neighborhoods say it. and you can at me or dat me <laughs> i love i love when you speak from the heart you preach it's really true like a bunch of people because I, I did my top five songs too which weirdly were essentially the same as yours which made me very happy um we just swapped out different neighborhoods tracks because that album is as deep as it is rich. Um, but <laughs> just like just like Tate, that album is but, like a like the Colorado River. It just gives life. <laughs> it just gives. It's so so free flowing. The thing that shocked me not shocked me because the world is younger, especially online, than we are. But we were saying that we like these songs and a bunch of people were jumping on and listening to their five favorite Blink songs, which was awesome. That was definitely the point. But they're also like, okay, guess I got to go back to high school with this one. Fine. Okay, fine. I'll admit it. Middle school represent. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I was living in the same neighborhood I live in now, children. Like, that yeah. was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I don't know from that stuff and I'm not mad at it. I think, I think damn it, especially is an amazing song. I think that's that was my number two Blink song, but this and but it's important to 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 foreground this by saying that the version of Blink that we like is this kind of delicate, probably unsustainable. No, actually, obviously unsustainable balance between being petulant and bratty, and then being regretful and trying to be mature about being petulant and bratty. And the, like the the fart joke Blink, like that's just. That's not my scene. Like, that's not the kind of music that I like. I appreciate that they do it. And generally, that kind of music that takes the piss out of other music can often be better than very, very self-serious music. But yeah. I loved when they tried to do both because it was very... You could sort of feel the band fraying as these uh, the ideas they were trying to do at once were fraying. And I think that's they were of, also that, that fraying was a very unique thing. Because Tom DeLonge was like, aliens are fucking real. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so to be clear... The crazy thing about this band is that when they broke through with Enema of the State and they were on um, they were on TRL and pop punk suddenly seemed like it was going to be a thing, 
uh, they felt like veterans. Like, they'd been around for a minute because they basically yeah. started when they were teenagers. Yeah. And everyone points to the self-titled record. Cheshire Cat came out in 94, as, I think, right? Right. And, and people point to the self-titled record as, like, them being their sort of mature album. But that was 03, and I think they're, like, a year older than us. So they were 27. Yeah. Uh, they were not old. And so then they fell into this kind of weird fugue state and more or less broke up and then got back together for this album that they pretty much disavowed, which is Neighborhoods. And we're going to talk about Neighborhoods. But just to bring people up to date who haven't been as deep in the Blink world, the Blink subreddit, <laughs> as you and I have, um, the, the basically when Tom just decided to go full X-Files and left the band, Mark Hoppus and Travis Barker hooked up with a very simpatico choice. They, they, they hooked up with... With our man from from the Alkaline Trio, Matt Skiba. Yeah, of Alkaline all the, Trio, like, by the way, if you like pop punk bands, I like a lot of Alkaline Trio records better than Blink records. So, and I want to say something for the record too, which is that I think that this is this gets to a pop punk. There's a there's a schism, man, and, mm. and the schism to me, there's lots of different kinds. Like I will stay straight up. I think the best pop punk song is Disconnected by Face to Face. And when I say did pop say punk, that, did you I say mean, that to Joe House? No. I, I, when I say pop punk, I mean a very specific thing. I'm not talking about the okay. undertones or, you know, the, like anything that the Ramones did or anything like that. I'm, I'm pretty much speaking, I don't know, like 90s on. Let's just say that to be, and I'm sure that's wrong. But like, just like, let's just say 90s on to whatever I'm, what arbitrary date you want to put as the cap. And then I think that you, there's lots of different kinds. There's like Midwestern punk, like like there's Dillinger 4, there's all these East Coast bands. And then when you have the West Coast stuff, there's Southern California Thrasher San Diego, Thrasher Magazine mm-hmm. San Diego Dude Bra, which is Blink. And then there's Northern California, which is more like Green Day and Jawbreaker, which aren't like sim- that similar sonically, but in terms of their gloomier outlook, I think. I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. everybody's sad. That's the sort of base point of, of everything. But Blink can't help but sounding like Teenage Fan Club on Adderall because of where yes. they're from, I think. Whereas Green Day and Jawbreaker, I think, share a certain moroseness. Would you agree with that? He, I, think that's a, I think that's well observed. I, I, I would. I, I think I want to... But I, I also think it's important to think about them within two traditions because there's the punk tradition, which I want to circle back to, but generally... The reason I am pro Blink-182, particularly why their greatest hits is just straight Contra Flamethrower, is because <laughs> they're a pop band. You know, you yeah. said Teenage Fan yeah. Club on Adderall. That's right. All the Small Things, which is a great song and was a big hit, the chorus of that song, and I quote, goes na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na, right? That's the chorus. There yeah. should be more songs like that on the radio. That's a good thing. That's just full stop why they were good. They wrote pop hooks for days, and that was awesome. But if you think about them in sort of a punk tradition, they're particularly interesting because I think not... I'm, I'm going to go out on a muso limb here, my friend, because I feel comfortable on this tree with you. Sure, man. You know how people of our parents' generation, when they would get real real deep in their, in their cabernets or whatever, and they would be like, the thing about the Beatles you don't understand is they represented the different pillars of humanity, the artist, the dreamer, the fool. You know what I mean? Like Did, super like... fuck said that? Like, new, like, new, <laughs> like, the, like the New Republic pop music critic, like just stroking his chin beard and like uh-huh. talking about the role of Ringo. If you accept that that's a thing you could say about music, and you probably shouldn't, 
if you think about what made Blink pretty unique and interesting was the fact that all three of them came represented essentially different traditions of contemporary punk punk music because tom tom essentially invented an entire way of speaking and singing that everyone from avril lavigne to everybody who's still putting demos on myspace if they they probably shouldn't because i think their information has been corrupted by (laughs) malware at this point but like basically a lot of uniques on myspace right now (laughs) if you basically if you take the word f-i-n-e and you say foin like that's Tom. Like, he found a way to stretch the language yeah. that is absurd, He's, but somehow emotionally satisfying. But he was, he was I out think it's there high, on that They certain... call it high mall rat. <laughs> right? Yeah, high mall rat. That's wonderful. So you take that high, that sort of acidic, sour, you know, basically spit, spitballs a teacher kind of wine that he brought to it. And then the thing about Hoppus is that he just he's just caught in his feelings man he's so earnest that even his songs about prank calling people sound like like they, they sound like you know sonnets that you scribble in your trapper keeper in middle school he can't help himself so he has that dour note and then the thing about what travis barker was is that travis barker is super into being a musician which i find crazy boring i remember seeing yeah. them on tour when they were on tour with green day which is circling back to a point i know you want to make in 03 um and i think i was there because I think dashboard was opening for both of them so i was on tour with them for a couple days in the southwest and you know there was the, the high point of the blink set was when travis barker's drum kit rotated and he was drumming on it and it's just like okay if we're really doing drum solos in 03 we're in an interesting place or in 02 you're exactly but right there's this idea all three that... of those chain all three of those ideas don't are they're three separate strands and when they were yoked together it was awkward uncomfortable at times but it was fascinating i would actually argue that they transcended their own individual like Mm -hmm. profiles this idea that mark who yes sang these really emo sweet songs but as soon as the song was over would be like fart joke you know and then would just be like my dick hurts and then you know it did did hurt tom would sing beautiful stuff and then he would be like info wars and barker (laughs) like you could always tell the barker track like like when they were in the studio and barker was like i need i need to do a fill here the songs that start out with like a lot of Tom work. Oh yeah, and you're like, like I mean, Tom the drum, not Tom DeLong. and it, you know, all of those things were in the were obstacles to these guys being as good as they are. It is almost absurd that they are this good. Can, can, can I say? I remember in '04, um, MTV tried to launch a, a magazine, which you know that's that's really reading the market right, Viacom. <laughs> um, but I was writing for them, and I remember I wrote this piece on you know, crossovers between, like, rock and politics, which is a piece I also wrote for Spin, I think. Um, and I just remember, like, one of the paragraphs was, like, Tom DeLong steps off the jet, his, his, his uh, lip ring glistening in the sun. He throws his arm around Senator John Kerry. The future has arrived. Like, <laughs> can you imagine a world where we're just, like, <laughs> Tom DeLong, cultural ambassador for presidential candidate John Kerry? That seems like I'm talking about stagecoaches. I basically just, like, read a description from Deadwood. Um, but yeah, th- those three elements. What do you think the saddest version just... of that is? Is it like, is it like, the lead singer of the Gin Blossoms looked at the John Edwards presidential poster and said, "That man's gonna be the leader of the free oh, world someday." No, no, it's just like it's like the dude from Five for Fighting plays the last plangent chords of Superman, and it's like, ladies and gentlemen, Dick Gephardt, <laughs> the next president of the United States. <laughs> There's a lot uh, of this shit. Um, but I, I really felt like, and in considering 
well, considering two things, considering why the new album, which is just way too long, I think that's the biggest problem with it, but why it's not particularly good, despite Skiba contributing some nice songs and Hoppus doing the Hoppus things that he that he does. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I'm glad that they're still touring. That's fine, but not maybe it's because I'm very sentimental about New York right now because I'm leaving it. But I was I, I was getting deep in this like food metaphor of like like the bagel and the cream cheese and the lox and like you take each one of those things out it's kind of not as good as it is when it's all together you know what i mean like they kind of work best together and because of that forget that i said the bagel thing immediately but (laughs) we think the best album the best albums for sure were the self-titled and neighborhoods because they were actively trying to pull apart but there was some centrifugal force that was drawing them together and so when people were like why do why do you and chris or both think feeling this which is the single from the self-titled is their best song it's because those that is a who, song in who which all even three of them says seem to be, that who could even know, ask the, that question troll. okay but i'm saying that if you listen to that song all three members of the band seem to be actively at war with each other playing three different songs and then all of a sudden at the end they lock in and it's like three choruses at once and it's mind-blowing it's a it, that song that, that 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 that's a hype song. I mean, I I love it. It makes me crazy. And you don't get many of those, but they had more than most. I want to make another statement about about Blink. Ooh, I love when you make statements. Let me tell you. Let me see if you agree with this. Okay. So, Blink One Eighty Two greater than symbol Green Day. Mm. But Dookie greater than symbol any Blink One Eighty Two album. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think that's right. I I think the one place Like I think that, that Blink-182 has like a 20 song greatest hits, but Green Day has the best album. Yeah, I think that's right. I the one my one counter would be when Green Day disappeared up their own asses and got grandiose it generally was just like them trying to write a kinks album about politics like they would go in a very bombastic pop direction whereas i think the worst blink songs are and i people are gonna probably kill me for this but like because some people love these songs but adam's song and stay together for the kids wow i'm, just, I'm like nah holy I'm shit greenwald that. did you I'm just say out that adam's song and stay together for the kids are the worst those aren't their worst songs. They have many worse songs, but I'm saying of like the canon songs, I feel like those are the least interesting to me because the dir- like the directions they go into those songs, I'm like I, I, I know why they were trying to do it, but those don't, those do nothing for me. They do okay. nothing for me. Don't okay. stay together for the kids. <laughs> Break up. Um, Follow your I bliss. Think... Follow your so bliss. I... But wait, let's let's the, the Green Day point. And it's funny you mention that because they were touring together when i saw them which was kind of interesting and it seemed a little bit not that they didn't get along but as a as a pairing it seemed to make almost too much sense green day was riding very very high off american idiot and blink were building up towards the self-titled record Mm -hmm. but i their fan bases should have overlapped but i'm not sure if they did I'm not yeah. sure if they did because maybe and maybe it's just as simple as the it's as pavement saying it's the two states divide they 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 it's very different traditions, Northern Southern California. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm trying to. So, what would you say? We did our we did our top fives on Twitter, but what would you what, redo yours? What, what's your favorite? What are your favorites? Um, my favorite is feeling this, and then and then damn it, and then I think I might get my own order wrong, but uh, all the small things. Mm-hmm. And 
Oh, Love is Dangerous, the last track on Neighborhoods. We got we to gotta take clear out the lane for five minutes on Neighborhoods after we do our top fives. <laughs> and then I put Down, which you did too, which is a deeper I did cut. Too. And I want to take, uh, Minor is feeling this, damn it, Ghost on the Dance Floor, which is from Neighborhoods, yes. Man Overboard and Down. And I want to take Man Overboard off and put Roller Coaster on. Nice. Good choice. Yeah. I, Man Overboard, I could take or leave. I feel like, you what? know, you want know uh, you want, you want to know what Neighborhoods is for me? even though it came out in 2011, is it's the last great corporate alt-rock record. Hmm. Which Mm -hmm. we used to really... And corporate alt-rock, like, that's not a real thing, and that could count as anything from, like, the the second big Wallflowers album to... (laughs) We were were big on that. (laughs) Yo, man. Sleepwalker? Um, Mm -hmm. Help me out. What's another one? Like... Oh, like Razor Blade like, Suitcase or something? Razor Blade Suitcase. That would be uh, the STP record the with, Inter- with Interstate. Yeah. It's like that kind of complete, that armor all buff on top of like these signifiers that should be punk or should be some sort of alternative oh, rock so, so style. So it's, it's like the, the scruffy, the band that's scruffy, scruffy in concert, they hire like Tom Lord Elge to like to like master the shit out of it and so it yes. just sounds like gold even with yeah what they're playing is bronze uh-huh yeah. you, you agree I, with I that love that stuff yeah and it, it's funny because it in a different era maybe it would have registered as that as like it would have registered here's the thing in my memory of 2011 which is which is admittedly hazy it didn't register at all i think people were psyched that they were back together and talking after the plus mark had travis had plus 44 and and, and Tom had Angels and Airwaves, which, by the way, that we should just do an hour and a half on that <laughs> grandiose On the movie that Angels point. and Airwaves got to make? Oh, my God. That was so Whoa. crazy, dude. What but, was that called? But they got back together, and but it, I just felt like it didn't register at all. And the thing is, I, I love... That album is definitely top to bottom tighter than the self-titled. I'm not saying the highs are as high, and there's no Robert Smith cameo on track 11, but... It's just good pop punk songwriting with this real melancholy shot through it. And you're right, it's, it's super, it's buffed. And it sounds r- really rich to the point where a song, which has the ludicrous title, Love is Dangerous, somehow communicates something emotional to me, even though if you really listen to what he's saying, it, you know, it, probably, it probably belongs on like a seaside of an Angels and Airwaves album. Can I read you the, the names of the Angels and Airwaves albums? I'm so excited. Wasn't one called Love? 2006, we got We Don't Need to Whisper. Okay. Like, that's, that's, that was very yeah, 06 you, emo. That was, do you remember they fun. released, I don't, that wasn't really the thing then, but they released a trailer for that album. And I remember that the only thing oh, it was I, like a car driving in the desert. And it yeah. was just, the only thing that you heard was just, just the peeling church bell guitar chimes lifted directly and shamelessly from the edge. And I was like, in. <laughs> I like everything about this. Totally in. They followed that up in 2007 with iEmpire, like as in iPhone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 2010, too good. They, they put out Love, and they come right back in 2011 with Love Part 2. Yes. You can't and then have they love without us, Love Part 2. They leave us for three years, and they come back in 14 with fucking Dreamwalker. <laughs> That's amazing. Like... One of the things that was fun about being a music critic for a while, other than not getting paid and being disrespected by everybody, was the <laughs> fact that you could have a, sometimes have a platform 
to be like, yo, like this thing that was made fun of in its time is actually great. And sometimes, you know, popular opinion will change on something. Like Fleetwood Mac's Tusk, probably my favorite album of all time, derided it when it was released because of what it wasn't as opposed to what it is. And all I'm saying is some brave traveler, not now, maybe when the spaceships actually come in six to 12 months, (laughs) needs to... we're ready we're ready for the angels and airwaves piece to be like guess what like this dude's frequency no shots to dennis quaid like he's tuned (laughs) into the real frequency yeah right yeah man i'm absolutely ready for that all right um so they made they made they made neighborhoods and then they were like whoops sorry we caught an l on that and they released a really good ep really really good if you yeah you were into that ep you got to edit out the yellow wolf guest verse but other than that dogs eating dogs is fire california you know I like albums called California. I like it, but it's like some of this, this first song is good. Cynical's good. Bored to death is good. It's not quite great, but you know, basically the takeaway from this conversation, I think is it's okay that some bands are not built to last. And this band in whatever form it is, I don't think was, but it's, it's a, it's, it's a hell of a run, man. The, song, the songs will last. People. The songs certainly do. All right, man. Uh, great talking to you. We'll be back on Monday. And uh, everybody watch Night Of. Everybody listen to Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. My name is Chris Ryan. (laughs) Take Off Your Pants and Jacket Baranski!